60 minutes as we recap last week's matchups, preview the upcoming games, make predictions, and much more. Here's your host. Welcome inside Conference USA. Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer, Ben Cower, back with you for another episode of Inside Conference USA Football. Week five in the books. Week six is upon us. Week five was another dandy, Justin. There was a lot of good games and a couple of upsets as well. Some surprising finishes. Let's get right into it. We'll start um, with, we'll do all the non-conference matchups and then hit on the Conference USA games played by uh, those two teams. We'll start Illinois defeating Charlotte 24-14, to the Fighting Illini with the victory in that game. It was a football game where Charlotte led at the half 14-10, to gets shut out in the second half, and Illinois with two third-quarter touchdowns to run away with that win. But overall, a uh, pretty competitive game there, and it now drops Charlotte to 3-2. and two. Yeah, I was actually you know, I was watching the Georgia-Arkansas game, and then at halftime I flipped to this game, and Charlotte was leading. I'm like, oh, is Charlotte going to win two power five games this year? You know, that you, as Ben Carroll likes to remind me, he picked Duke against Charlotte, so I thought we were going to have another one of those situations on our hands, and we didn't have it, but... I think Charlotte, I think they kind of, I don't, don't want to say they had the, po- I don't, don't want to say they drank the poison, but I think they kind of got into their heads a little bit like, oh, we're leading against a Big Ten team. Let's go two for two. Let, you know, let's really make program history. Yeah, just kind of a collapse, but uh, rushing yards, 81. You know, Charlotte, I think, has been very good on the ground all season, but on on Saturday, they weren't very good on the ground. 81, 81 yards, Reynolds was the leading rusher. Their rush defense, though, absolutely horrendous. How about this, Andrew? 336 yeah. yards on the on, on the ground. But their pass defense was phenomenal, 78. So I think it was kind of an ebb and flow day. But Charlotte got to learn how to close out ball games. I mean, you had a chance to potentially win two games against the Power Five. You beat Duke narrowly. And then, and then on Saturday, it was an absolute debacle. So just got to be a little more consistent all around. Yeah, overall, I think it definitely was the running game that was the difference in this football game uh, on Charlotte's part, obviously, not being able to run the football and Reynolds only running for 35 yards, that being the team lead. And then Illinois, as you mentioned, well over 300 yards. Chance Brown had uh, over 200 as well and two touchdowns. So not being able to run the football um, is something that Charlotte, that's what they kind of rely on. I mean, Reynolds had a good day passing 191, a couple of touchdowns and interception. Um, but this is a team that's kind of built on the run, and when you get behind like that, it, it puts a team in like Charlotte in a position where they don't really want to pass. They can pass, and they have good wide receivers, but they're built on kind of a ground attack with the quarterback, and then they can mix in the pass, and they weren't really able to do that after falling behind in that second half. Another good football game, La Tech went on the road to face NC State. What a football game this was. NC State was up 27-13. to Going into the fourth quarter, La Tech made it a game and ends up only losing by a touchdown. But again, another competitive loss for Louisiana Tech. You lost by one to Mississippi State. Now a touchdown loss here to NC State. This is a team that can, is continuing to prove it's a quality football team despite being just 2-3 and three now. They just haven't had the luck of the draw yet. Yeah, I think every game they've been in, it's been competitive. Every loss, it's, I think it's been under 10 points. and so. Yep, a, com- a combined... Ten points in three losses. Oh, there we go. Not too bad. I think, you know, when, when you have a combined ten points, I mean, that means you're in football games. It's not like you're just like, oh, we got to give up, got to give up. But, you know, I think they just got to play a lot. They actually got to learn how to finish, you know, 
a lot of it, I think, it takes time to build a winning culture. So, but I think they're they're getting there, and, and third down. I mean, they phenomenal third down defense on Saturday night held held North held held the Wolfpack four for twelve on third downs. Look at the box score. I mean, Austin Kendall phenomenal performance three forty one. Rush defense. I mean. Okay, 139, but they, they had a very good job with an aerial attack. They just gotta they just gotta finish ball games out and and and, and it's still we're kinda at the midway point of the season. You're starting to really get the idea of okay, how good are these teams gonna be? Well Tech's problem is this. They every game they have is close and it's like it's like Russian roulette. It's either gonna be red or black. You they're they're, they're either gonna finish the game or they're gonna blow or they're gonna blow it up late. Yeah, I mean this is again a good football team that La Tech faced, a team and, that and beat ranked, Clemson the yeah. week before and was ranked 23rd. Um, and here's an interesting note about this football game on the La Tech side. Austin Kendall was the team's leading rusher. That's a good thing in a way because he ran for Reynolds, 71 yards. And we talked about leading rushers being the quarterback. Chris Reynolds was also the leading rusher against Illinois. And, and Kendall is a guy, though, that is not really known for running the football. Like when he was at WVU and Oklahoma before that he didn't really run the football often he was more of a pocket passer he'll go get a couple of yards when he needs to on a third down but 15 carries 71 yards a long of 18 he had a big run for a touchdown against Mississippi State earlier in the football season so he had 68 yards in that uh, loss to Mississippi State he's actually got three rushing touchdowns this season too so that's an interesting note about this Bulldogs team moving forward offensively it's not just a one-dimensional run attack. Now you got to account for Kendall's arm that he's been so effective with passing and now his ground game. So that's a good point. Obviously, you want Marcus Williams to run the football a little bit better, 16 carries, 59 yards. But to have your quarterback run effectively, that's a good sign. I think that's the way the game's going, college football and the NFL game. It's no longer just pocket passing. You actually have to be able to be scram- scramble and mobile, and I think you're just seeing that shift in recent years. And so for Austin Kendall, I mean, it's a new skill, but it takes time to develop. But I think that's very good because I think that's where the game's going. It's no longer Tom Brady just sit there, throw the ball downfield. You actually have to be able to move out of the pocket. So good performance there by Kendall. All right, let's go up to uh, Sparty Land and West Kentucky. West Kentucky loses by not a bad margin, 17 points. We'll give them credit for losing by 17. The number 17th ranked Spartans, 48. The Hilltoppers, 31. And Andrew, your thoughts on this? I expected it to be high scoring as it was obviously uh, 48 to 31 you mentioned it Western Kentucky puts up some points in that fourth quarter it was 45-16 going into the fourth quarter Western gets a couple of touchdowns there in the fourth to make this a little bit more interesting actually made it a two possession game about halfway through the fourth quarter so Michigan State really throughout had this game well in its hands and remember when we talk about Conference USA teams playing power five teams the thing I always say is you don't want to have that one play that rarely happens happen. Punt return, 88 yards, a minute and a half into the football game. Those are plays where you don't even give your defense a chance to get out there and make a stop, but Sparty is already are already able to get that touchdown on the board. Western goes and punts the football. The Spartans get it back, score again. Next thing you know, you're down 14 to nothing. We're not even halfway through the first half. So it's the little things like that where when you're playing a quality team, a top-20 team, in Michigan State at their place. It doesn't matter how well you play. Zappi throws for nearly 500 yards and three touchdowns, but you can't get down so early because when you're playing a good team that's got a good offense and a solid defense, 
you're going to run yourself into a hole, and that's what Western did again. I mean, it was competitive. They continued to fight, and you only lose by 17, but the punt return early put them in kind of a little bit of a hole there. I think we talked about this like week one with Old Dominion. When, when Old Dominion played Wake Forest, like Old Dominion, like they had a kickoff return, yeah, and it was like within two possessions of, of, of the ball game. And then as soon as that return happened, it was game over. I think you could have had that situation again when these two teams played, but Western Kentucky was able to kind of mentally show grit and able to just put it in the back in the back mirror and just able to go ahead and make this close ball game. Zappy though, three touchdowns. Michigan State's defense, I think it's been great this year, but no turnovers for Zappy. I think another positive performance. So I, I think right now with the East being wide open, and I'm sure we're going to get we're, we are going to get to the game. I think that opened the East up a little bit. Yep. West Kentucky has a chance. I mean, they've held. They've done a very good. They've done very good in their non-conference play against two ver, two Big Ten teams. So, if you're the Hilltoppers, there's a lot of positives to take away from this non-conference season. Yeah, just a couple of notes <clears throat> offensively from this Western Kentucky team in the loss. Um, the running game wasn't much of a factor. Winnington leads the team with 37 rushing yards again, though. Will Hilltoppers were trailing, so uh, throwing the football a lot more to try to come back in that game. So the rushing yards were down. This is a name to keep an ear out for as the year goes on. Jareth Stearns, 17 catches for 186 yards and a touchdown. He's already got 40 catches this season, nearly 600 yards and five touchdowns. So he is Zappy's go-to guy. They both transferred from Houston Baptist, and he puts up another good performance. Two more non-conference games for Conference USA schools. We'll go to UTSA and UNLV, where the Roadrunner is able to hold on to a 24-17 victory over now the winless Rebels. The Rebels 0-5 UTSA, now 5-0 to begin the season with the touchdown victory. Not a pretty performance overall from UTSA, kind of a scrappy, gutted-out football game, but the Roadrunner is able to get it done, Justin. Yeah, another disappointing performance by UTSA. I thought they were going to blow the, road, uh, the Rebels out and, you know, Hate to pick on Cincinnati McCormick. He was my pick for Offensive Player of the Year. 89 yards against a UNLV team that's very weak. That, to me, just is like, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on there. Why aren't they giving him the ball as many times as they can? You have a very good running back. He should be able to run over, run over all over this team. Another strong performance over the Roadrunners. I mean, they're 5-0 and zero right now. You know, they, they've really made themselves... I was looking at the stat today about undefeated teams. I think they're like one of ten or one of twelve or one in something. It's it's about a baker's dozen of teams that are still undefeated in in the country. I think a lot of people thought UAB was going to run away at the West. The Roadrunners are really giving them a challenge now, but they're about it's about to get tough on them. They're about to really get into conference play. And they're in a very tough division, so they're going to have to get Mc. They have to get. They're going to have to get Mc. McCormick more runs with the football. They want to have have much success this season. Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit surprised by this. I think it was, I think UTSA was a three touchdown favorite, but on paper UNLV is winless. But they lost to Fresno State by only a touchdown, and Fresno State only lost to Oregon by a touchdown. And Oregon knocked off top five Ohio State. So you put those numbers together, and UNLV is only two touchdowns worse than Oregon based off of those game results. So again, maybe the number. Uh, and the record for UNLV is a little bit, um, you know, not exactly a replicate of what they're capable of. But UTSA's offense, especially the ground game, wasn't really there. Harris had a good day, 278, two touchdowns. You'll take that. And you know what he's going to get from his guys on the outside and Cephas. So 
Again, not a pretty one, but UTSA able to wrap up non-conference play with that big victory. One big shocker before we take a break here. Liberty, 36-12 to over UAB. This was a chance for the Blazers to maybe pick up a football game against a quality team in Liberty. UAB scored the first points of the game 3 to nothing after the first quarter, and then from the second quarter to the middle of the fourth, Liberty scored 36 points unanswered. And it was just an ugly football game. UAB was down 36-3. to Yeah, UAB had their hands full, and I think it showed it right there. They really had a difficult time Saturday night. You know, you obviously want to win the first game in your new stadium. You really couldn't do that. Liberty just came in there, guns a-blazing, and just really shut the door out. We'll give you a little run-through of the stats here. You know, 5 for 15 and on third downs. You know, Liberty's defense was phenomenal. But how about this? We've talked about... Dylan Hopkins comes in, we're like, okay, let's see how if he's better than Johnston. 12 for 26, not a great performance, but the running game was really stopped. Dwayne McBride didn't get as many, many rushing yards. Jermaine Brown Jr., leading rusher, nine carries, 106 yards. Liberty just overpowered them. Yeah, that just, that, that's the simplest word to put it. I mean, I mean, I think you and Ben both took UAB, I took Liberty, so yeah. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take a slight victory there, but... Liberty is a very quality football team, and good to see. I mean, great, good win. I remember, too, Liberty defeated Syracuse, or had lost to Syracuse the week before. So this was a team coming off a, a field goal loss uh, and was having to go back onto the road to get the victory. Willis proved to be difficult, too. He combines for 400 yards of offense and three scores. Dylan, Dustin, was it, is it, I think it's Dylan Hopkins. Dylan Hopkins uh, got the start for UAB at quarterback 12 of 26 150 and a pick that UAB's quarterback situation remember they've got Lucero there they've got Johnston the third as well Hopkins played well the week before got the start here not so much again maybe it's the opponent and who you go up against but uh, the passing attack not really there for the Blazers in this football game so that's again a spot where as we move forward into the season in a conference USA play who gets the call for the Blazers there they're gonna have to figure something out I mean I think they're struggling right now. I think they're struggling more than a lot of people thought they were going to be struggling. You know, I think they were kind of picked to, I don't say run away with the West, but they were picked to at least be on top of the West. Right now they're really... UTA- I mean, they still are on top of the West. Well, UTSA and UTEP are. Well, yeah, but, I mean, they're all undefeated in Conference USA still. Right. I want to know. A non-conference loss right. really doesn't mean much. Well, I'm just saying, like, if you're struggling in non-conference, that doesn't really bode well because non-conference is supposed to be, like, your tune-up for conference play. Ben, you want to hop in on this? You disagree with me? In a way, though, you have to look at the opponents well, that are played too. Because well, I mean, U- UTSA right. defeated UNLV, but UNLV is not at the level of Liberty. Well, all right, let's go through their schedule here for a second. Jacksonville State—they struggled in the first quarter. Yeah. All right. First game of the year. First game of the year, but thirty-one-zero. They struggled in the first quarter. Georgia—we all knew that was going to be a blowout. Yep. You North Texas, forty to six. Okay, North, North Texas defense hasn't been great. And then Tulane. 28 to 21 and then Liberty 36 to 12. I, I believe Ben wants to hop in on the point about my non-conference being a tune-up. I mean, just between that, their two losses have been against Georgia, who is you know right, well, second well, best well, in the well, nation, well, and then you have let, let's excuse then the Georgia you have loss. Liberty, who has the number one. It's the number one QB uh, heading into the draft with Willis. So I mean, you're going up against two powerhouse teams. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say that they're they're showing a lot of weakness. They should have put together a better 
product in a, oh, in a game absolutely. against Liberty because in terms of that. Conference USA and the group of five, UAB won Conference USA last year. So you go into this year, and it's not like they had a complete roster overhaul. They didn't right. lose their head coach. Right. They're expected to be the best again, and they didn't prove it. So it gives Conference USA more of a worse look because of this result in a way. And look who they play this week, Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic right now, the East is right now is like it's like Disney World. It's wide open. Uh, you, like, you like the analogy? No, you've used the Disney World analogy for two years. Okay, good. So I think you look at a you look at Florida Atlantic. I think FAU is the best team in the conference. Let's see how they do against the team that that, that I think is going to win the conference. We'll, we'll save that discussion right. for when we get to the re- recap. We'll take a break. When we come back. We'll recap the Conference USA matchups from Week Five. You're listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Go ahead, Swift One Two. Sergeant Dale Beatty was wounded by a roadside bomb. Swift One Two in route with urgent ASAC to Mercy. ETA approximately 35 minutes. How copy? Now begins the most important journey of his life. Roger, Swift One Two. From the battlefield to home, home to some very good medicine his family's love. They'll be staying together at one of the many Fisher Houses to help Dale get better and return to his life. Fisher House Foundation provides comfortable housing and other services to the families of wounded warriors and veterans while they receive care at military and VA hospitals. Fisher House is among the highest rated charities with 95% of donations going to help our military families in their time of greatest need. Remember those who serve and sacrifice. Fisher House, because a family's love is good medicine. Go to fisherhouse.org for more information. When it comes to cancer, what you don't know can kill you. Too many Americans over 50 haven't received potentially life-saving screenings for colon and breast cancer. That's a problem. Colon cancer is a leading cause of cancer deaths in the U.S., and breast cancer is a leading cause of cancer deaths among women. In fact, One out of every eight women will get breast cancer in her lifetime. Early detection is so important. If you're between 50 and 75, get screened for colon cancer. The earlier colon cancer is found, the easier it is to cure. Women between 50 and 74 need to get a mammogram every two years. Screening can find breast cancer early when treatment is most effective. If you're over 50, talk to your healthcare provider about getting screened for cancer. It could save your life. For more information, visit www.cdc.gov cancer. This is former Marshall catcher Rachel Folden, and you're listening to the worldwide leader in Marshall athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Inside Conference USA. We continued our lively debate on the Blazers in the break but uh let's get let's get into conference play interesting week in conference play we'll, we'll start off if, if that's the best way to put it we're, we're, we're going to start off we're, we're going to start off in the east division and we're going to start off with the shula bowl the florida atlantic owls going at home fiu comes up and the owls give the panthers a nice blowout 58 to 21 andrew your thoughts on this one I expected FAU to win this football game, but I did not expect the Owls to do that much offensively. 58 points. I think that's the most in the Willie Taggart era, I believe, because this is an FAU team really since he's got there that 
has really not been effective offensively, but the defense shuts out FIU. This was a 34-21 game at halftime, and then all of a sudden 24 unanswered there from the Owls in the second half to run away with this football game. This is a good win for FAU, and uh, interesting news out of this too. FIU's head coach Butch Davis retired uh, after the game, I believe. I saw a report about that. I don't know if it was official or or what, but I'm pretty certain he retired after this loss, and Nikosi Perry throws for 330 and three touchdowns. Check me on that. I, I'm pretty certain it's a, Brett McMurphy uh, tweeted that out. Well, I, well, this came out a day ago, but he, I'm going to read NBC6 South Florida. There, there's two reports here. Butch Davis, this is from this is according to Football Scoop here. Sources, Butch Davis nearing retirement, FIU post head coach football job. So yeah, now, that's what that's so, that's exactly what right. Brett McMurphy had said. He had said planning or thinking about retirement. FIU's opened up the job search, but they've done that all. They always do that for their coaching position. So in case right. something happens mid-season, they don't have to wait. They don't have to just throw an interim. They can maybe hire somebody. And now, but but now, let me get let me read you the affiliate uh, NBC Six South Florida, the affiliate down in, in Miami. FIU post football coach, but again, as Andrew said, don't read too much into it. So. I, I don't want to tee it up, but I don't want to get into the coaching church game now, but we can get into that game yeah. in, in December. But I'll, I'll let you continue. Yeah, yeah, back to the game. FAU offensively, I mentioned Perry's numbers, 329, three touchdowns, a good passing performance, probably his best in an FAU uniform in the fifth game of the year now. The running game, a host of owls, uh, end up running the football relatively well in this game, led by Johnny Ford, the South Florida transfer he runs for 102 yards, a touchdown. Charles Dean, Tronti, and Nikosi Perry also all run for touchdowns. 300 total on the ground, five touchdowns. This is a really good win for FAU to start non-conference play. No turnovers, only five penalties. The defense performed well in the second half. This is a good win. This is a good sign for an FAU team that I think in non-conference play, for the most part, didn't really surprise us with any results, especially on the offensive end. But to follow up of follow up a performance where you only get seven against Air Force and then put 58 the next week, that's a good sign that the Owls may have figured things out offensively. I think that, yeah, I was about to say, you, you, I was watching part of this game. They looked very good. They looked very dominant. And if you're the FI, if you're FAU, again the preseason I said they were the favorite to win the conference, and I think you know they they show that they are the real deal. Funny enough, I picked FAU UAB in the conference championship. You're gonna get that matchup this weekend, but uh, yeah, not, another good performance there by the Owls. Not not too much stats to harp on there. You know, just the Cozy Perry good day. Tronti got in five for six. The running, the running game at another phenomenal, 296 on the ground, 408 in the air. So, 408, 319. So, I think very good day for the Owls. But I think now the now I think now the storyline in South Florida is going to be the coaching job, because now you have reports, and I, and I get that there there are teams that they, I get this stuff happens, but when it gets into the media, like like then you know, then you know something's coming up, and so. Right now, I think another storyline we're going to be following the rest of the year is the FIU coaching job. Does Davis retire or not? Because I think now that it's out there, it could be, look, it could be Butch Davis being like, okay, I'm thinking about it, I'm just letting you know. But once something gets out there, you have to kind of at least look into that. At least if you're FIU now, you're going to have a lot of time to at least find your new guy if, if this is were to be true. So I think 
you bring that up, I think that's the big storyline then. And now FIU's at least starting to look around the market. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I thought FIU had make a, made a turn early this season. The offense seemed to be a little bit better, but obviously either maybe it's a health concern with Butch Davis or he just doesn't think he can get that FIU team back to the low and have the energy to do so. Right. But, uh, but again, Butch Davis, well, FIU. Again, I think it's speculatory. I just think it's if, if you're – I just find it a little alarming if you're FIU, you're pulling the plug now. I, I think it, he's pulling the plug. I don't think it's FIU pro. Well, it's, but, but FIU's putting the job up now. Because he's well, contemplating. I, I believe. I think the report from Brett McMurphy had said they always post the FIU job. FIU always has jobs open in case some a situation like this. But it's very rare that it gets into the public eye if someone's contemplating retirement. They already have the job description. Definitely now, a weird situation. Now, does that mean... Now, do you start... If you're Butch Davis... Now, again, did he get... We can sit here for a half an hour and speculate, but you're not. people are not interested in hearing our no. speculation on, on the Davis job, but the Zimmer coaching search firm will be up in operation next week with candidates. All right, Rice 24, Southern Miss 19. The Owls get the winning conference play over the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Southern Miss was up, uh, actually was never up in this football game, I should say. They tied the game after the first quarter. Rice went up 10-7 at halftime. The Owls eventually pull out to a 24-7 lead, get 12 points due Southern Miss later in the game, but ultimately Rice holds on for the 5-point victory. couple of notes in this one, I think. Uh, new quarterback from Southern Miss got a lot of reps. Jake Lange, the Jackson, Mississippi native, right there, and uh, at Southern Miss, 304, a touchdown, did turn the ball over three times. But that's the third different quarterback to play for the Golden Eagles in five games. They're one and four now. Rice went with Jake Constantine, 192, two touchdowns. The ground game was a collective effort, but nobody really stood out. It was more of the passing attack for the Owls to get this victory over Southern Miss. This was a game that both these teams needed, especially it being the first Conference USA game for these teams, and maybe now with the Owls getting the home victory, maybe this will propel them to a solid campaign, but an overall uh, good result to win one at home. Yeah, very good win for the Owls. I think right now the West, they kind of can maybe sneak in, maybe it's like the third or fourth best team, but I was talking about Southern Miss's quarterback concerns a couple weeks ago. We were like, okay, is it Keys? You know, who, who's it going to be? Now they bring in a third quarterback. At one point, if you will, Hall, you got to have somebody. You can't just keep going through like the quarterback carousel and just be like, oh, let's try this guy. Let's see how this guy does. Oh, this guy didn't do good. Okay, let's bring out Johnny from the bench and let's put Johnny into the football game. Let's see how Johnny does. They got to find something. I, I just don't know what you do if you will, Hall. Like, at one point, you have to come, you have to land on a guy. Again, he inherits this team, but Keys is a transfer, so Keys came with him. So obviously, if your transfer quarterback's not working, it's something with the it's something with the scheme. That and others around him. Right. So he's the offensive coordinator. He's the quarterbacks coach, and he's the head coach. So he's got to figure something out. So if you will, Hot, I think Southern Miss's season's done. Oh, they have seven games left. What I mean by done is this: they got to start looking at next season and be like, how are we going to make the improvements and, and well ne- I, I, looking into next season though starts with finishing this season off well obviously I mean we all knew we knew coming in the quarterback position was the main question mark no surprise that they've used three quarterbacks because Trey Lowe was the prohibited probably favorite right. to start and he didn't look good 
So we knew coming in the quarterback position, although Trey Lowe was going to be the guy to start with, we knew he wasn't a guaranteed lock right. for them to get six, seven wins with him there because we they, knew that was a bad position I, I for him. I don't think they were going to get six wins anyway. I think they might get – they have one winnable game left on the schedule, and that's Middle Tennessee. North Texas, maybe. If North Texas cleans up the defense – if North Texas doesn't clean up the defense, then you got two, but – I think if you're them, you you take three and nine, you move on, and you 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 make the improvements in the off season. UTEP defeats Old Dominion four and one are the miners now, and they get their first conference USA win, and it comes against Old Dominion twenty eight twenty one. Old Dominion got out, or excuse me, UTEP got out to a seventeen to nothing start. The Monarchs we talked about it the week before they're going to battle, and they did fighting back and actually took the lead at the end of the third quarter on a punt return, made it 21-20. And then UTEP went on a scoring drive about halfway through the fourth quarter, went for two, got it, and ultimately was able to go back up seven points and hold off the Monarchs for a big win. Now the Miners 4-1 and one and undefeated in Conference USA play. And it starts again, Deion Hankins, two touchdowns in this football game, or just one touchdown in this game, two touchdown passes for Hardison, a solid win for the Miners. Yeah, I think, you know, Hardison, you know, 10 for 20, you got to clean that up a little bit, a little more completion rate. The ground game, 142, you know, they got to, they got to think, got a little more, they got to get a little more, a little more power on offense, you know. They're lucky enough to win this game. Old Dominion's got their quarterback in DJ Mack, he, you know, good performance, 20 for 34, but how about this storyline, Andrew? The Miners are now two wins away from going bowling yeah. for the first time in the Dan DeMelli era. So, it, for for UTEP, I think they're really having an impressive season. I thought DeMille was on the hot seat at, at, at the beginning of the year. They're, 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 th- this is what happens when you're patient. You give it three years, he brought in all his guys, and now they're being su- now they're getting some success. Couple, I, I talked about the ground game there, the offense. They got to get a little more high powered, you know, because two about averaging about 200, 300 yards a game is not going to win ball games, but they got a lot better. That old Dominion though. 88 rushing rounds. I think that's the worst uh, rushing yard performance for the Monarchs so far in the season. Yeah, so Old Dominion now 1-4 with the loss to UTEP. The ground game again, offensively, Old Dominion's had a lot of success this season. When running the football, didn't do that as well. The passing attack picked up a little bit with Mack throwing a touchdown and a pick uh, in this game, but the ground game really wasn't there, and that's a testament to UTEP's defense and what they've been able to do so far. We've got one more conference usa game to discuss but before we do that let's pause 10 seconds for station identification here on the cutting edge sports radio network award-winning coverage lives right here on wmul fm huntington wfgh fm fort gay and wthm lp ravenswood west virginia welcome back to inside conference usa justin zimmer andrew rogers ben cow behind the glass we have one more game to talk about and when i say the east became wide open this was the game that did it. The Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. Yes, the team I didn't think that was going to win a lot of games this year. They pulled upset against the Marshall Thunder. Currently, Andrew's already smiling because he knows where this is going to go. 34-28, Andrew. Take it away before I do a little turnover demonstration here. Uh, a surprise. This was the surprise and the upset of the week because I don't think a lot of people thought Middle would be able to win this football game. But what a weird game. What a weird football game. Okay, Marshall 
turns the football over six times and only loses by six points. Final score was 34 to 28. But when I say weird game, I mean six turnovers, four fumbles for Marshall with from three different running backs, two Grant Wells interceptions. Middle Tennessee State's quarterback Chase Cunningham got hurt at some point in the game. It was such a weird football game. It was raining. It was just an ugly game to even watch on television. Cunningham gets hurt, I think, at some point in the third quarter. They bring the backup Mike DeLello on, and he didn't even attempt to pass. It was all ground at this point because it was raining, the turf's wet. It was hard to move the football for the Blue Raiders. They don't score an offensive touchdown in the second half and win this football game. The the game-changing play was Reed Blankenship's 90-yard fumble return for a score. With two and a half left in the third, it made it 34-14. Middle did not score an offensive touchdown in the third and fourth quarter and won this football game. If you would tell me that, I'd tell you you're crazy, and Marshall probably won the game by 30. But that's not the story of the game. Marshall continues to struggle, I think, 15 turnovers in five games, 15 or 16 turnovers in five games. This team's two and three, and now is behind the eight ball. Now, teams can lose early and battle back, but this is a loss where it's not concerning yet in a way, I think, because this team still is moving the football and still competitive despite all these turnovers. It makes it scary for when they do put it together, how good this team could possibly be. But at this point now, into conference play, when? And will it happen soon enough for Marshall to still be in the East Division race? You bring up, you said it's not time to be concerned. I think it's time to start hitting the panic button a little, uh, panic button a little bit. Here's why. I'm looking at the end of the season. Let's look at November. Florida Atlantic, November 6th. Tough game. UAB. Oh, yeah. Tough game. That's, that's a tough November. Charlotte. Tough game. West Kentucky. Tough game. They can't If they can't beat a team that they're supposed to beat, that that's problems all around. I get it was a rainy night. Six turnovers, though. That is unacceptable. I don't care. I, I, I don't care what level of football you're at. It definitely is. Keep this in mind, too. Middle's already got two conference losses. So Marshall, with this loss, is still going to play every team in the East Division. If Marshall runs the table, wins every game the rest of the way, they're East Division champs, despite this loss, because Middle's already got right. two losses. So it's not like it's not Marshall's dull. season's over, it's, it's not but it's going to be a tough November, and that's why the rest of this month against the likes of Old Dominion, North Texas, FIU, teams that aren't they're expected have to, to compete... You know, not just win, but play well. You can't turn the ball over four times and still beat FIU by 17 and feel good about yourself. you got to win these games and play well, turnover-free, clean football. Marshall hasn't done that. And, Coach, I've always talked about closing the gap. They're trying to close the gap to be better. Right now, they have at least three automatic wins. I won't say automatic anymore. They have three strong chances to win football games. Better word use. Yeah, I, I, I changed it. Come November, can they win one? Maybe. This, this is, I think, the time of the year where they. this is perhaps the easiest part of their schedule, and they're not even winning a football game. They're losing a middle test. Again, rainy night, let's throw that aside. Turnovers, though. Ball security. You can't just have, and I'll use the chalk here as a demonstration, you can't just have someone, like, slap the ball out, out of your hand. Nobody can see that. I know. It's just easier to, re- 
visualize it. You can't just have someone slap the ball out of your hand and then balls on the ground and then Middle Tennessee just gets the ball back. You've got two hands. you got to hold on to it. Yeah, you got to hold on to the football. Now, if you want to drop the football and play hot potato, that's fine. You're not going to win football games, though. One positive to take away from this, Rashid Ali's got 11 rushing touchdowns. Leader in the He's country. got 13 total. Yeah. One receiving and one kick return. This guy has played really good football. He's almost at 500 yards as well. So that's a bright spot. He did fumble, I think, once or twice. He might have fumbled twice. twice. Yeah. And that's it. He's fumbled a few times now this season. That's a concern. But well, well, I think Coach Huff said this. He's coachable. But they gotta, they gotta, they gotta clean it up. Definitely a surprise performance there. Middle takes the contest, thirty-four to twenty-eight, forcing those six turnovers. Only put up a total of three hundred fourteen yards. Marshall had nearly five hundred and falls by six points. Okay, here's the standings before we take a break and preview Week Six in the East. We have Charlotte and FAU both 1-0. Middle Tennessee State's 1-2. The Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky yet to play a football game in conference play. They are 0-0. And And Marshall, FIU, Old Dominion, all 0-1. And And we'll give you the West standings as well. The UTSA Roadrunners 5-0, 1-0 in conference play. They're tied with UTEP and UAB at the top of the conference in La Tech and Rice at 1-0. Only two teams in the bottom two in the West Division, Southern Miss. And North Texas. How about that? So five West Division teams, all 1-0. and And fun fact for you, too, before we take a break and preview these games, that could stay the same because I think La Tech's off this week. I'm pretty certain all five of those teams that are undefeated in the West could be undefeated next week, too. We'll take a break, preview week six, and pick them next on Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Imagine if drug abusers said exactly what was on their minds. Hi, Jim. Uh, you got a minute? Only if it's a quick minute, Steve. Well, it's the Anderson file. We should talk about it. Don't no, listen. I'd love to, uh, but I was just about to snort some coke. Why'd you say snort coke? That's right. Cocaine. You know, blow, nose candy. I do it all day. Not your typical office conversation, but consider this. One in seven working Americans uses illegal drugs. But what about the Anderson file? Tell you what, let me duck into the men's room, do a couple of lines, and I'll be right with you. Of course, drug abusers aren't this candid about their problem. But sooner or later, their problem speaks for itself. Okay, got my head cleared. Now, about that Peterson file. Anderson file, Jim. What can you do for someone who needs help? Give them this number, 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-HELP. It's the number of the National Drug Abuse Helpline. It's free, it's confidential, and it just may be the help they need. This message brought to you by the Partnership for a Drug-Free America. This is former Marshall catcher Rachel Folden. Folden, golf's under it just a bit, heading out towards left field, drifting towards Hillman, that's caught! That ball just carried out of there. It took a road outside Columbus. And you're listening to the worldwide leader in Marshall Athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Back inside Conference USA, Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer, Ben Cower. Ben, your time to shine, my guy. Um, picks, how'd we do last week? What's the records? What do we look like going into week six? All right, heading into week six. Uh, currently, these standings, oh, this past week, week five, it opened up a little bit. Oh, Andrew, not listen, it's not as dog. Between Justin and Andrew, it's close. It's two games to be precise Andrew's record is 50 and 7 uh Justin's record is 48 and 9 
And then I'm currently the caboose on this train at 44 and 13. So this is, I didn't have a, I didn't have a good week. What, what was last week's records? Uh, last week, um, I can tell you which games that we missed. Okay, I just um, didn't know if you had it added up or. I, I just have the total one. That, I just have the matters. totals. Uh, it was UAB caught Andrew and I off guard. Yeah, that's okay. where Justin. I got, got you us guys on Liberty. race in Southern Miss though. You didn't expect that one. No. Yeah, uh, just or excuse me, Andrew had Rice and nobody else did. Uh, I chose Louisiana Tech, and I was close. You were yeah, close. you were. Close. That was my bullseye. Louisiana Tech hung with them right until the end. Well, the bullseye would have hit them. It did. I guess because I you covered it, they covered. Oh, they covered, so it did hit. And yet, yeah, that's and, right. And you had a celebrity take the bullseye as well. Rich yeah, Davis that's right. Yeah, ESPN Saturday underdog stole my pick. Well, that leads us into what's your bullseye this week. <laughs> well, because you have gone win loss. Win, that's how it's been. Yeah. So you've got to right the ship here and get two in a row for the first time in the bullseye era. And I think what I do got you it. got? What do you got for us? I think I got it. This week I'm taking. I know bold pick. I know, but. UTSA over Western Kentucky. Believe it or not, right now, Western Kentucky is favored to win this game. Because, specifically, it is a home game for WKU. Uh, I pick UTSA to win over WKU outright. Uh, The spread is 3.5 in favor of Western Kentucky. I see this being so close, I don't know if they're going to cover. It might legitimately be uh, less than 3, or just down to a field goal. I, I don't think... Uh, I think it's going to be that close, but uh, every close game that UTSA has won this year uh, has been against, or whether it's on the road or at home, uh, this one on the road, every game that UTSA has won this year has been close. The other team has had way more passing yards than rushing yards, even with Las Vegas last week. Mm -hmm. It's always offset, where it seems every single team they play Either they shut down the run, or the team has an inefficient running game. <laughs> when you look at the Hilltoppers, that's the definition of their offense, is it's completely lopsided, and all they, they throw the ball. They don't really have much of a rushing attack, and I don't see that trend changing heading into this week, where it's just another you know another game, same old, same old, for, U- uh, for UTSA, where they're going up against the team, that is just going to pass the ball, and they can plan around that. I don't see that changing. I think UTSA, they're win. They're, you know, they're undefeated. I think they stay undefeated. Leaving this week, I pick them over WKU for the bullseye. So Ben likes UTSA. That's a surprising line, three and a half for the Hilltoppers. They are at home though. They've played well there, and always get a good crowd too. Zimmer, what's your Zimmer winner? Is it? I mean, yeah, it is UTSA. You like out, it too? UTSA out right against uh, West Kentucky. You know, Zappy's off. Bailey Zapp's been good with with the Houston Baptist office, but I think UTSA is going to overpower them on the, with the ground game in McCormick. So I'm going to go UTSA outright. So the Zimmer winner and Ben's bullseye collide for the same pick. <laughs> we did not copy no, each other's no, homework. Oh we boy. Didn't. This is now, independent. Is this, is, this, is this copying each other's homework? No, Are you comparing is... notes? Oh, I like that pick, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like his pick. So, so picks wise, you like UTSA outright, both of you, correct? Yep, UTSA. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it a third. I like the, the Roadrunners as well. I think this is an interesting game. Surprised the line's three and a half, but I like UTSA really as a complete football team. Frank Harris gets the job done at quarterback, a good completion percentage. He takes care of the football. Sincere McCormick is the complete back. Um, and their defense has been relatively well. Zappy 
and this Western Kentucky offense is going to be a challenge. UTSA has been good defensively, and they probably haven't seen an offense like this this season. And it's going to come down to can Western stop the run? Because if UTSA gets up in this football game, they can rely on sincere McCormick. But if McCormick is getting shut down and Western's defense is able to hold him, then Western Kentucky's offense is able to get back onto the field and try to move the football and put points up because this offense is averaging 40 a night and putting up 500 yards of offense. So if Western can get off to a good start, avoid getting down early, and stop the run, the Hilltoppers could win. But I think UTSA gets it done just because of being a complete football team. So we're all three in agreement there with UTSA. So congrats, Western Kentucky. I guess. I will, we'll, <laughs> see. we'll see. I've been good with my picks, though, yeah. so we're going to stick with it. Okay. Charlotte FIU Conference USA East Division matchup on a Friday night in Florida. 3-2 and two Charlotte, 1-4 FIU. The 49ers 1-0 in conference play. The Panthers 0-1. Zimmer? Well, I think FIU, there's now a lot of distractions. We brought up about the, the Butch Davis coaching, whatever's going on over there. So I think that's going to be difficult for FIU to kind of maintain their focus within the building. Because of all the distractions going on, I'm going to go with the 49ers. I, I think Reynolds is going to have a good game. And, you know, FIU, they, they've, they struggled against their, their in-division rival with FAU. I see another struggle on Friday night. I'm going to go with Charlotte, but I just think with all the distractions and just how they did last week, 49ers can easily win this game. I'm going to take uh, – I'm not taking Charlotte. I'm taking FIU on this one because Charlotte is allergic to winning on the road. They, I mean, they've only played two two road games, but every time, no matter how they've lost, I mean, yeah. they when they played Georgia State, right. Georgia State was, I mean, they looked as bad as FIU does, and they lost. They lost on the road. And that was Charlotte with momentum because they hadn't lost at that point, and now with the loss to Illinois, now another road game. They're coming off a loss in a road game. Now they're on the road again. Versus a fired-up FIU squad that is hungry for a win. And FIU's at home for the first time in forever. I mean, FIU's back. Uh, I just... Charlotte has not been able to get it done on the road this year. I don't see them... I mean, they're a good football team. Don't get me wrong. I just don't see them taking... Just bucking the trend and taking the win here on the road versus FIU. See, I find that interesting, considering all the distractions going on in the building, but I'm, I'm going to let you go here. Charlotte. They've never won at FIU. That changes. These two teams, as soon as they win in the Conference USA play, Charlotte's 0-3 on the road in Miami against the Panthers. I think Charlotte gets it done for the first time, just like they defeated a f- the Power 5 team for the first time ever. Give me Charlotte to go to 2-0 in the East Division. Into the Saturday slate, we will not pick Marshall Old Dominion, but our thoughts on this matchup. Justin will be uh, on the sideline. I'll be on site as well. Ben will be uh, at the game as well. So uh, just our general thoughts on this matchup here. I'm interested to see how Marshall responds after the sixth turnover game. You know, they're back at home. They lost to App State in a close one on the road. They lost to Middle Tennessee in a close one on the road. Sometimes going home makes things better. I'm just interested to see if Marshall can kind of maintain their composure and try to put the two losses behind them. But we've, we've learned one thing this year. Old Dominion's going to fight. So I, I, this is not going to be an easy walk in the park for Marshall on Saturday afternoon. So this, uh, this has this has been to be a very close game. ODU has recovered this year very quickly. I mean, their yeah. record is not representative, uh, representative of how solid this football team is because just the last two games – 
They've put up good fights against two good teams. They didn't come away with a victory in either one. Uh, they lost to Buffalo by one point, 35-34. to 34, And then they lost to UTEP, 28-21. to 21, And UTEP is doing fantastic this year in conference. So... Old Dominion is going to put up a good fight against Marshall. Uh, obviously, Marshall just needs to clean up their mistakes. Uh, last game was riddled with them, and just the entire season they've had so many mistakes on both sides of the ball. If Marshall can finally find a way to plug that run defense and you know just bolster it a little bit and clean up any offensive mistakes you know that they can, it seems that Wells is good for at least one interception every single game, but... Uh, if they can just clean up their mistakes a little bit and just contain an ODU team that, again, they're very hungry for a win. They got some momentum despite their record and their losses in you know multiple consecutive games. Uh, it's going to come down to which team doesn't make the most mistakes. And so far, Marshall has not really proven that, even though it's at home. Last time they were here. <laughs> the disastrous ending versus ECU. Yeah, Marshall needs a complete performance, and and that doesn't mean win by 40, win by however many, but it just needs to play well on both sides of the football for at least three quarters. Four quarters means you play really well and you probably blow out Old Dominion. But, again, this is an Old Dominion team that has fought back-to-back losses by single digits. Is a team that's not gonna not gonna fall down when Marshall would maybe punch him in the mouth early on. So this is a much needed game and an opportunity for Marshall to play a complete game and try to build some confidence. We'll see what happens. Should be a tight game though. We'll pick up the pace. Liberty and Middle Tennessee State, one of two non-conference matchups for a couple of Conference USA schools. Liberty welcomes in Middle. I'll take Liberty, 19 and a half point favorites. I think the Flames get it done. A big performance against UAB. And despite Middle's big win against the Herd this past week, I think going on the road, tough environment, I'll take the Flames. Liberty was phenomenal against UAB. They're going to douse Middle Tennessee. Give me the Flames big. No, Flames. You can't pick against them even though Middle Tennessee beat Marshall last weekend. But, I mean, Liberty annihilated UAB in their home opener at the new stadium and complete upset. Or not upset, but they showed that they are more than capable as a football team, and Willis is playing phenomenal. Uh, I just don't see Middle Tennessee putting enough pressure on them. I mean, they can have terrible weather like they did versus Marshall, and it could be raining and windy. The winds could be 90 miles an hour, it could be pouring rain, and they could be playing in three feet of water, and I'd still pick the flames, even in the even in the wet, so to say. All right, so we like all Liberty there. Missouri welcomes in the Mean Green. Two and three Missouri, one and three North Texas. Go ahead, Ben. I'm taking Missouri on this one. I North Texas has not shown a lot of capability on the offense outside of their you know their opening win on the season. Uh, North Texas has just not really been efficient on offense at all. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Missouri has shown that they can you know again their their record is fair, but Still, I mean, against Tennessee, they were kind of flat, but they hung right in there with uh, BC, who almost just beat Clemson. Uh, they blew out, a, you know, Missouri and state rival, you know, solid against Kentucky, and then they beat Central Michigan to open the season. Uh, I think their their offense just has a lot more hope than North Texas, and neither team is, I would say, a phenomenal football team, but uh, I just see Missouri being the stronger team here. 
especially it's at home for Missouri. Uh, I, I don't see Missouri losing this game. Uh, Mizzou struggled against Josh Heupel in Tennessee last week. I think Mizzou has a big rebound week against North Texas. Give me Mizzou, but North Texas, they, they've had trouble on defense all year as well. So give me Missouri, and we're going to go big on this one. The offense, surprisingly, has been more of a concern to me than the defense. Just 28 points per game is not as bad as it's been in, in years past. Obviously, the, the result against UAB giving up 40 points but only scoring six, so it wasn't a high-scoring game. North Texas offensively just hasn't been able to figure out if it's Jace Ruder or Austin on. They both struggled a little bit. The running game's there, but no real passing attack. Don't be surprised, though, if North Texas keeps this close. Missouri is not good in my eyes. Two wins, three losses. They only beat Central Michigan by 10 points. That's a team that FIU only lost to by a field goal, so don't be surprised. that It's a 19-and-a-half line. Don't be surprised if UNT would cover that line, but I think Missouri wins the game. One more Conference USA game till our game of the week. Yep. UTEP Southern Miss, the Miners 4-1. Take that 4-1, an undefeated record at 1-0 in conference play on the road to Southern Miss. 1-4 Southern Miss. I'll take the Miners. Give me five wins for UTEP after this one going on the road. This is a team playing with a lot of confidence despite the uh, loss to Boise State. They've taken care of business for the other times. And I think it continues against a Southern Miss team that struggled offensively and has just not been able to figure out the quarterback position to complement a good running game with Frank Gore Jr. So I'll take the UTEP Miners here. I'm interested in Southern Miss's quarterback situation. We talked, we hit on it early in the show. It feels like every week they bring out a different quarterback, but if the Miners win this game, they're one game went they're one game away from going uh, dancing into the bowl season. UTSA can go dancing into bowl season this weekend. Give me UTEP. I don't want to say big. I think this. I think this has the potential to be close, but give me UTEP by at least two touchdowns. Give me U, uh, give me UTEP on this one. Where Southern Miss, I don't think it's as simple as just the QB situation. Oh, being, a, it's a it's an offensive problem. Oh yeah, it, it is completely an offensive problem because alongside the constant rotation of QBs they've had this season, they've shown no consistency with the receiving game. Or they don't have anybody that really sticks out. I mean, they had Robinson, I believe, last game who really... He had over 120 yards receiving. I think it was 127. I believe so, yeah. Uh, but Robinson, I mean, then again, that was his biggest game so far this year. And every other game, he's had like 20... Between 20 and 40 receiving yards. You know, they don't really have anybody that's sticking out as a, you know, a threat, so as to say. Uh, their offense is a bit of a mess. UTEP has a more than capable offense. Some mistakes, but they're four and one for a reason. I think they take the win this weekend. And, I, and I'm not trying to bully Ben and, and the, uh, on the point about the offense. I'm just saying, but the quarterback, like quarterback's the heart and soul right. of your offense. Like if you don't have a good quarterback, mm, you you're can't not, win. You're not going. You might as well try to sell. You ready, Fair ready, point. You guys ready for game of the week? Let's go. Uh, how about my conference championship uh, matchup that I said yeah. at the end of the year? UAB hosting FAU. Two three and two football teams. Remember, Western's hosting uh, UTSA, so that's East versus West. Here's another East versus West, FAU-UAB. It's at UAB, possible preview of the Conference USA Championship. They played a couple of years according ago. To, according to Justin, yes, it is. That's what Justin thinks. Maybe a preview of it here. UAB is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Ben first, what do you think? UAB at home. They're gonna, they lost last week, and they're, you know, again, the opener uh, at home versus Liberty. I think they take down FAU at home because they're coming out again a tough loss. But again, 
they're not a bad football team. Just because they have two losses on the record, one of them is the number two Georgia, who nobody in their right mind thought they were ever going to have a chance against Georgia. And then versus Liberty, I mean, that was a bit of a surprise, but the only concern I see with UAB is, you know, Hopkins finally had a that game that everybody was waiting for, you know, where everyone's like, oh, hey, you know, when is he going to falter? Because he just came in over Johnston uh, and... Is it Johnson or Johnson? Just making sure. Johnston. Johnston. Okay, I was right. Uh, he came in, and then he's had two solid games in a row before that, and then leading into this one, he he had his first bad performance. I think he rebounds. He's shown that he's more than capable to lead this offense. Uh, UAB has shown. I mean, they're coming off of a, a big victory versus uh, FIU, but then again, they got uh, annihilated by Air Force, and I mean they've. Their offense is solid. This is going to be very much an offensive duel. So I'm going to take UAB in this one. I'm going to go with Florida Atlantic. They were they were they were dominant last week. Nikosi Perry had a good game. Ben talked about how Hopkins finally had like his kind of struggle game. He's I'm interested to see how he rebounds from that. I think with FAU how good they've been, it's going to be very difficult. So give me the Owls, but very close. I'm back and forth on this one. I'm not going to lie to you. And Nikosa Perry is not Malik Willis, but he plays like Malik Willis. And Malik Willis played really well. Well, that could be good, though. for UAB's And that's defense. a good thing for FAU. And it could be a struggle for UAB's defense. But here's the, and that's, here's the question for you, too, though. Did UAB's defense learn and pay a figure out, okay, they got to see Willis. Now they get a similar matchup with Nikosi Perry. Do they respond? Or does FAU take bits and pieces of what Liberty did and try to defeat the Blazers? I don't know but I'm going to take the Blazers. I'm not going to bet against the team going on the road. They're defending Conference USA champions. They're not going to lose at home, and that's in my opinion. So I'm going to go UAB. Zimmer likes FAU, though, so maybe he likes well, the Owls. He likes the Owls to win the conference. I do. But we'll leave it there. Week 7 is next. That does it for Inside Conference USA. For Ben Cower, Justin Zimmer, I'm Andrew Rogers. We'll preview Week 7, recap Week 6 next week. Until then, Sports Views next. Thank you for listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Tune in again next Wednesday at 5.30 for another episode. You've been listening to another sports presentation on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. This tree was never chopped down because this crutch never needed to be carved. Because these legs never grew weak. Because this child never got polio. Over the past 20 years, Rotary Club 